Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here, Lord, and to be able to preach your word. And we ask, Lord, you're anointed upon this message and your messenger, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to do it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Still having a hard time getting used to preaching like this because <laughs> can't move around as much. So, all right. But anyway, I'll, I'll try to uh, <clears throat> keep it under my time limit. I said try. Anyway, John 4, 23 and 24. Yet a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is a spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, for centuries, worshiping God meant following the right sacrifices, giving the right sacrifices, following the right set of rules, obeying the right guidelines, and worshiping on the right day and at the right place. Now, that worked, that's the way it was back then. How, would, how many people have been in church today if you had to drive to Flagstaff to be here? That's what I thought. I wouldn't either, so it would be empty that Sunday. <laughs> but they, that's the way that it was back in Jesus' time. You know, people had to worship at a certain place, and that was Jerusalem. And because of that, that is what started other offshoot places to worship. And, you know, offshoots are good as long as they worship God and as long as they go by the Bible. Because that's what's the important thing, is does it line up with God's word? So, but anyway, I don't think I'd want to go that far either, but I'm glad that Jesus changed all that. Because it isn't a matter of worshiping where, it's a matter of who. John 4, 5 through 9. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus tried as he was, Jesus tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, this woman was an outcast of society. How do we know that? We know that because if she wasn't, she wouldn't be getting water at noon. That was the kind of the hot time of the day. They, all, they came to get water at sundown. So she came at this different time because she was an outcast. Now, probably she was probably maligned and, and uh, <coughs> made fun of or, or things because of who she was. And uh, Jews themselves were, were outcasts in, in general. They were half-breeds. They were uh, half-Jewish people that married Greeks. And that made them, of course, half-breeds. But, you know, that word half-breed sounds so awful, doesn't it? So I don't like that word, but that's basically what it was, and that's what, why they didn't like them. And the they would do anything to avoid Samaria. And here Jesus is talking to a Samaritan. 
How dare he? Doesn't he read his Bible? He isn't in the Bible. <laughs> so anyway, and Jews in general considered Samaritans dogs. I don't think I'd like to be called a dog. But the only good thing about Samaria was if you was a Jew, a Jew and you committed a crime, if you went to Samaria, you could kind of hold up there and they wouldn't come and get you. So it was kind of like the, I don't know whether you was familiar with some of the gangs that roamed Utah and the uh, Wyoming area, Jesse James and all that group. They had a place up there around there called the Hole in the Wall. How many have ever heard of that? Us old people. <laughs> anyway, that's kind of where, the, where all the outlaws hung out and people wouldn't go there. So they were basically relatively safe if they went there because no one was going to go in there and get them. And uh, that's where they hid. And they, and they didn't bother each other either. So they were basically safe there too. So but that's what they were. And, and when we read and study the background of some of the things that are going on, we, it gained, we glean more meaning from God's word. That's why Jesus said study the word of God. Not read it. Study it. Of course, if we read it and read it and read it, then we're going to get it in our heart. But we need to study it, because when we study it, that's when we start understanding a little more things. Some of the things that we may be confused about in the Bible, all of a sudden they make sense. They, oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, John 4.10. <coughs> Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is, <coughs> excuse me, that asks you for a drink, you would have take, asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, Jesus ignores her question, because he, to him, she wasn't an outcast. Jesus didn't see people as unequal. And I've told you many times, we all stand equal at the cross. There is no color, no background, no culture, no nothing. When you come to Jesus, we come equally. And there's no group or, of people that are better than any other group. So that's why Jesus ignored that completely, because to him, she was equal. And he loved her just as much as he loves us. I know sometimes we think that uh, Jesus doesn't love the unloving, but he does. And he loves them just as much as he loves us. He loves the worst criminal that we can ever think of as much as he loves us. And that's a hard thing for us to understand. But see, we've got to understand that God is love, and love cannot hate. There is no hate in love. And so God loved this woman just as much as he loves us. So he ignores her question. John 4, 11 through 15. Sir. Now this term, sir, was a, was a term of respect. It wasn't bad mouth anymore or anything, so... And um, she says, Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get, get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. 
Now, Jesus was talking about living water. But she didn't grasp that. She could only grasp the physical realm. She didn't understand anything in the spiritual realm at all. And we live in a world where that same case is true. People can't understand anything spiritual. That's why it's hard to reach people, because they think in terms of what I can see, feel, touch, and all the five senses that we have. And when we talk about spiritual things, it's like a deer looking at a new gate. You know, what's this? What's this thing? So it's harder for us to reach him. But God can allow us to break through all that if we never give up. We just kind of keep planting seeds because sooner or later those seeds are going to take and God will allow those seeds to, be, to grow. But we are responsible to plant the seeds. <clears throat> uh, the thought of having not have to come there every day was something that sounded really appealing to her because of the verbal abuse or whatever else was going on because of her background. She thought, man, if I didn't have to come here any day, if I didn't have to run into people that look down on me every day, then I'd be okay. That's what I want. I would love to have that. And we, um, if we had a doctrine here that said, hey, if you come to our church, God will get rid of the bad things that you don't want to do in your life or the, the bad things that are hurting you. This church would be filled until people found out that it doesn't happen that way. See, this was um, the way that they treated Samaritans and other people that they had and looked down on them was a form of bullying. Now, we know, and there's been a lot of attention on bullying in our society today, and I'm against bullying. None of us should be involved in it. And if we see someone bullying someone else, step in and help. Because bullying has caused a lot of problems with, with the people that are being bullied. There are a lot of people that take their own lives because of the bullying that's done. And now it's so easy to bully somebody online. Man, it's so easy. And that's why you're seeing such hate and stuff going on the Internet. It's because it's like I'm not accountable for it. I can say whatever I want. And we can because it's a free country. But bullying, if you see somebody being bullied online, step in and say something. Sure, they may attack you, but you're going to find out that you're going to have people that will support you because we need to start taking this bullying seriously because it's really a serious thing that's happening, especially to our young generation. We lose so many young people because of just this one thing. And if someone would have been nice to these people, they feel like outcasts. They feel like nobody loves them. And so we need to help them. So if you see someone like that, be friendly to them. How hard is that? If you see somebody not being included in something that you're doing, include them. Be more inclusive with the people that you hang out with because you could be saving a life. And not only that, you could be a testimony to them about God. And they would be more open to God because God can help them. God helps the hopes the helpless if we just help them. So we need to do that. <clears throat> John 4, 16 to 20. 
he told her, go call your husband and come back. Now, Jesus wasn't being whatever with her comments and things like that that she was saying. It was the custom in those days that a, a woman was not allowed to, to talk to a man that wasn't a, wasn't a relative. So Jesus tells her, go call your husband. So kind of not, not so much to intimidate her, I think for her to be able to realize her background and the fact that Jesus was respecting the culture. Because Jesus did. He respected the culture of things that were going on as long as it didn't uh, interfere with God's word and God's love. That's when they had problems. Because God loved everybody the same. And Jesus loved everybody the same. And in this encounter here, Jesus went out of his way to be here because he had an appointment with this woman. This appointment with this woman changed a whole society. <clears throat> now, people don't like, oh, I got to finish reading it, verse 17. I have no husband, she said, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we worship is in Jerusalem. Now, people don't like it when their sin is exposed. They don't like it at all. And he stopped her dead in her tracks with that, you know. She didn't want to hear that. <clears throat> but it was the truth. See, people don't like to be convicted of their sin or to have their sin exposed. And that's why we have a society that tries to legalize sin. They don't like it. So that's why same-sex marriage was made legal. But legalizing sin does not change God's mind about it. And there's so many things they're legalizing today, I can't believe it. I'm afraid it's going to get worse if we don't start standing up and speaking out. Because the way they talk nowadays and the things that we see, I'm kidding you, if you want a show to be successful, they have to have minority groups, they have to have a gay person in every show. Now you watch it. They've got to have those things in there in order for the show to be successful. Evidently, anyway, that's what they think. And it makes it seem like everyone is gay. They make it sound like everyone is like this. That's how everything's made up. But the reality is it isn't. And most of the people that watch shows don't like it. But they don't care. They make millions off of good, clean movies. But they don't like that. Forget that. They want to get their gospel out. They're trying to inundate us with things because the more we see of it, maybe we'll become more acceptable of it. But as believers, we have to realize, I don't care how much they put it in your face, I'm going with God's word because God's word is the only thing that we go by. And if they want to get it, then get God to agree to it, hey, I'm on board. But most of the stuff that they do is not something that God would agree on. So we need to be willing to stand up and say, hey, that isn't what God says. God loves the sinner, but not the sin. 
and they can legalize it all they want, but it isn't going to change God's mind because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He'll never change. So whatever happened in the Old Testament and the New Testament is the same God that, that says the things today. It doesn't change. And we need to understand that because we can't change God's mind. <clears throat> oh, uh, in certain things we can. The only thing God can do, we can do to change God's mind is about judgment. Before we were a believer, we were judged and going to hell. Become a believer, now we're not. We're saved, redeemed, covered by the blood of our Christ. And now we've got a new destination. <clears throat> God's judgment of a nation changes if that nation repents and it stays his hand. And I think to a certain degree that's where we're at. I think that if things hadn't turned out the way they have been, that God would have already judged America. So I, we've had a stay, and I'm thankful for that. I like the, the new economy that we have. I like a lot of things that's, that's being done. I don't like a lot of the tweets that our president does, but hey, I don't like some of the things I say either. <clears throat> but I, like, I look at, his re, at the results, and the results are great, and I love that, the fact that our economy is growing, the fact that <clears throat> we're putting God back into things. Do you know that they have Bible study and prayer in, in the White House every day? How many of you knew that? Yeah. President Trump go, has study and praise every day, and he has so many spiritual advisors from different religions to come. And that's the difference. We never had that during our, the last administration. And so that's why things kind of stayed, and God stayed in his hand, because Americans are praying. And I know that eventually things are probably going to get worse. I don't know. I hope not. I hope not until we're gone. Then they can have the place. And we don't have to have it bad until Jesus comes. We can pray and say, God, stay your hand of judgment until you take us out of here. Because the church is the restrainer. The Holy Spirit within us is the restrainer of evil. When we stand up and say, hey, I don't, I'm not going along with that. And we quit voting for these people that are, are debauched. That say it's okay to kill a baby. Nine months pregnant. Or once, uh, ten minutes after they're born, the mother can still decide whether or not they can kill the baby. I'm not okay with that. <clears throat> of course, I'm not okay in divorcing in any way, shape, or form. I believe life begins at conception, and we need to let the process go, and, and they need to think about birth control before they produce a baby, not afterwards. But they don't want to want anybody to know about their sin, the sin of not being married or the sin of sleeping around, because God's word says that's a sin. They don't like it, so they want to hide that. They want to hide it from their parents so they can go get an abortion without their parents knowing about it. Now, there's so many people that would love to have a kid. Man, they would, they would love to. So why are we killing all these babies when there are millions of parents that would love to have kids and they can't? 
It's all because they want to hide their sin. But before anyone can have their spiritual eyes opened, they need to confront their sin. And God does that for us. You know, when I got saved, I was convicted of my sin. And I know that without the conviction, without the Holy Spirit drawing us, nobody can be saved. But in order for them to know about God and salvation, they have to hear it. And they have to hear it and hear it and hear it. And then they have to see the gospel living within each and every one of us. Because we are the gospel that people believe. If we're sitting there trying to tell people love everybody and then we're out bullying somebody, everything we said has gone down the tube. Because they say, hey, how can they, how can they do that? I know that sometimes people say things that are stupid <laughs> or not true because we can't. <clears throat> I had people tell me that how can I not agree with my brother's lifestyle? My brother's gay. And I said, I love my brother very much, but I cannot accept his lifestyle. And he knows that. We've had ultimate discussions about that. But people say, oh, how can you allow this to happen? How come you just don't accept him because of who he is? Well, I can't accept his lifestyle because God doesn't accept his lifestyle. I love him. But I do not love his sin. And uh, that's what we need to separate. We need to separate the sin from the person. Because people do bad things. And I'm not proud of everything in my life that I've done. And I know that that if if you look in your past, you'll find stuff that that you're not proud of. And it stays buried because you're not running for office. (laughs) You're running for office, they'll find it. (laughs) It'll be on the front page of the news. You know, if you kick the dog or something, you know, they'll find it. Especially if you're conservative and a Christian. So, but when Jesus points out her sin, she wants to change the subject. And she Ask the question that people ask today. Which church is the true church? You worship over here at that church in Jerusalem, and we worship here. Which one's true? You know, they try to trap us in that all the time if we're not careful. But the place isn't as important as the who. It isn't where we worship, it's who we worship. Now, which church we go to, doesn't matter, as long as it's a, go- a gospel-believing church that believes in the Bible. This is our guide. You want to find out about a church? Does it line up with this? I've gone to, I went to a church that I asked a lot of questions before I went there and thought that they had answered them correctly, and so I started going. But then I found out that the doctrine didn't line up with what I was told. So I had to leave. I could not li- sit there and listen to this false doctrine that went against God's word. And if they find something that goes against God's word and they say, well, that's old, we need to modernize it. We need an updated version. No, we don't. You know, this gospel has been good for thousands of years and the Lord tarries will be good for another thousands and thousands of years. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
and the who we worship is what's important. Muslims, Jehovah Witnesses, and Mormons, and many other cults worship a different God. How do I know that? Look at their doctrine. The Muslims believe they're supposed to kill everybody that doesn't convert to their religion. Is that what the Bible says? No. See, Jesus died for us. So we wouldn't have to. So, and if you look at their God, that doctrine alone <coughs> tells me that's a different God. Now, Jehovah Witness doctrine is a totally different thing. They don't believe Jesus came in the flesh. And there's a verse specifically talking about that. Any religion that doesn't believe that Jesus came in the flesh is false doctrine. And the Mormons, they believe that Jesus was, God, was Satan's brother. That isn't what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. Amen. Only. What about only do they not understand? And that word only was one of a kind. No others like it. No others will ever be like it. So there's no way in the world in God's word that he says that. And if you'll just line up the other doctrines that you run into against God's word, you can find that out. That's why it's important for us to read and study God's word so we know what's false. And if you're there listening to someone and just something just doesn't, kind of seems a little off, you know, you get it, you get a little prick in your heart or something like that, and you think, you know, that ain't right. You need to say something. Say, hey, that don't really sound right. I, you know, that isn't, I don't think that's in the Bible. I'm going to find that out for you, and, and I'm going to tell you. And find the verse. Go home and study and find the answer for them, and then go back and talk to them about it. Amen. If they refuse to refuse it, that's what's on them. But we're obligated to tell the truth. Because that might be the only encounter they get that changed their eternal destiny is when we stick up, stand up. Now, I'm not saying that if we don't witness to somebody, it's going to be our fault because it isn't. Because I believe if Jesus died on the cross for our sins, if God emptied heaven to die there, die for our sins, that he'll do anything he can so that anyone can be saved. So it isn't on us. I mean, if we screw up and mess up something, that's okay. God will work it out. It'll come around. But at least you planted a seed. And we're in the business of seed planting. Most of the stuff we do anymore seems like it's seed planting. And we're sitting there, we're waiting for it. And then we water it. We plant it, somebody else waters, and that, then someone else gets the increase. Now, if we're lucky and blessed enough, we get to see all three. We want all three, especially if it's our loved ones. All we can do with our loved ones is plant seeds. I'm a seed planter. We're all farmers. Because we're planting seeds. That's where it starts. It starts in planting seeds. And then we start watering them every chance we get. We add a little water to it. And let God do the work. Because only God can cause the increase. Sometimes we try to get the increase and we can't. We've got to let God do his job and, let, and we'll do ours. Well, we've got to do our job. And I know it's hard sometimes. We think, that, oh, if I say that, you know, we get this, you know, in our mind, you know, in our hearts, and we get a little, oh, I need to say something, I don't know, because they might make fun of me or something, and we don't say anything. Then we go home, and we can't sleep at night, and, 
and we, oh man, I wish I'd have said something, it just bothers us. But if that case happens, if it's someone that you see all the time, or see once in a while, next time you see them, say, you know, after we talked, <clears throat> I wanted to say something, but I couldn't, I didn't, and I couldn't sleep at all, all night because of it. So I have to tell you this. And you'll, that actually, in some cases, means more than if you'd have said something at the time. Because the fact that you couldn't sleep because of what you didn't say is going to carry a lot of weight to them. That you, they, you cared enough about them for it to bother them. <clears throat> Isaiah 29, 13. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, <clears throat> but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Now, Israel worshipped externally. They went through the right motions. They off offered the right sacrifices. They did all the external things they were supposed to do. And God hated it because their heart wasn't in it. And our hearts have to be in it. God wants true worship. And that's why he sent judgment on them. That's why they went into captivity in Babylon, because of it. Now, I don't want to be in captivity. I want to worship God in spirit and in truth. I want to do it right. I want to do it from the inside out, not the outside in, because from the outside in, it doesn't get in there a lot of times. So we need to worship God from the inside out, and that's what God wants. <clears throat> Unwise decisions and false worship led to the bondage that they were in for 70 years. And then after that, they repeated their sin. They kept repeating their sins over and over again. Worshiping idols. Doing all kinds of things until God dispersed them all over the world. And then one day, when the time was right, God started bringing them back to his land. And in 1948, May 15th, they became a nation. Overnight, they became a nation. And the land that they were given was nothing but desert and worthless property to them. To anyone else that didn't want it, they figured, okay, you can have this piece. And that's kind of what we've done, too, to the Native Americans, isn't it? You know, we told them, here, you can have this property over here, and they've never given you the best land. It's always the worst. Isn't that right? I'm asking, I'm asking Native American people I have here <laughs> from their history. That's what they do, and it just irritates me because they should have the best. They were here first. <clears throat> but they went into bondage and captivity because they didn't worship God. And we have the same problem. God has allowed wisdom and common sense to disappear don't you get so irritated with, with people in our, in our government? Because, man, if they just had a little common sense, we wouldn't be in this mess. And if they just let God in a little more, we wouldn't be in this mess. But we need to pray for our leaders. Pray for them every day. And I, I jokingly say, pray David's prayer of kill him, God, kill him. You know? <laughs> but we need to pray for them. Because if they find God, things change. 
And maybe they can't be saved. I don't know. That's between them and God. But it's, we're obligated to pay, pray for our leadership. Whether we like them or not, we can pray for them. And pray for common sense to return to our nation and our foundation. They're trying to throw out our Constitution day after day after day. One more thing. They want to get out. Get God out of the schools. What happened? Guns came in. <clears throat> Sin came in. Drugs came in. Crime around schools doubled and tripled. So it worked really good when they got kicked God out of the schools. We need to bring God back into the schools. And I'm thankful that our president agrees with that. They're allowing the Bible to be taught in school. They don't have to take the class, but <clears throat> I think that they should. And I think we need to teach history. We had a whole generation that doesn't understand history. Tearing down all our statues of our past. They say, well, oh, it's a symbol of hate. Okay, so what? We're not there anymore. It's a reminder of something that we shouldn't do then. Our history's our history. But some of those same leaders that they hate are the ones that are responsible for freeing the slaves. And now it's just everything. Oh, we got to pay, pay reparations to all those people that were, were slaves. Well, there's not an American today that was a slave. Not one that was a slave to anyone. But they say, oh, it was their great, 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 great grace. Well, I look at it like this. If they hadn't been brought here, they wouldn't have the life that they have now. They're blessed. So they should be thankful <laughs> in some respect because of it. I mean, I, I'm against slavery of any way, shape, or form. But it's our history. And if we don't teach history, we're destined to repeat it. And if we don't teach our Constitution, our nation's going to fall. Because they're trying to destroy it one by one by one, just a little bit at a time. And that's how you destroy a great nation from the inside. <clears throat> now, worship today has become more of a habit than an experience. They figure we come to church, oh, I did my duty for the day, I'm all good, I'm okay, I'm good. But Jesus came to give us life, and we have to come in a way that pleases him. And we must find him and touch him, just like that song we sang this morning. He touched me. And when Jesus touches us through the power of the Holy Spirit, we become different. All of a sudden, the worship and the external things fall by the wayside, and we start worshiping God in a different way. It's our spirit, say spirit man, because that's what it is. I mean, I, we get into all this, this political things. You can't say man if you're included, because it's got to be woman too. Man and woman, my spirit, man or woman, whatever it is. <laughs> wants to hear the, God of, the gospel. It wants to read, and it wants to grow, and it, want, and it grows through praising God and yielding to God. That's how our spirit person inside of us, grows. <clears throat> John 4, 21 through 24. Woman, Jesus replied. Now, woman wasn't a sign of degradation or anything like that. It was a term of respect. So a lot of people will start pulling out. See, Jesus was, was, was 
whatever it is, political term, trying to put her down, but he wasn't. It was a term of respect. That's why we study. He replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is of the Jews. Now, I know that a lot of people don't like this. They hate the fact. There was something here what, a couple weeks ago saying that Jesus was a Palestinian. And that was like a couple weeks before they corrected it. Jesus was a Jew. So salvation comes from a Jew. We cannot be saved without going through a Jewish Savior. Because God set up that religion to look forward to a time that salvation would be offered to everyone. Because he wants all of us back. He loves all of us the same. He just needed a people group to preserve his word. And so he could pass it down from generation to generation. We have the ability to have a Bible now. They didn't have that ability. All they had was word of mouth. What God did for them or what God told them. And they passed that on through generations and generations. That's all they had. And then they started writing them on scrolls. And they had to go to the synagogue in order to hear the word of God. Or listen to the prophets. And a lot of times they didn't like what the prophets said. So they, you know, they persecuted them. <clears throat> And there might be come a time they're going to like what we say and we're going to get persecuted. But that's okay because <clears throat> we are believers and we serve a risen Savior and this world is not our home and we'll look forward to a better place. Uh, verse 23, Yet a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The true that came was Jesus He's the one that came. And now has come when worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worship the Father seeks. God is a spirit and a spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. Amen. Now, this is verse is talking about a true encounter with God. And I talked about it a few minutes ago. When he touches us, our life changes. And our attitude toward God and being in church and worship changes. All of a sudden it isn't, oh man, when's that preacher ever going to shut up? I'm tired of it. My food's burning. It's going to be, oh man, I love it. My, you know, the, the person within us, our spirit within us is just, just loving every minute of it. Man, they can sit here every day. Unfortunately, it's in a shell that doesn't want to. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> that's the way we come now because the true truth has come. John, um, oh, say this first. One thing I've learned throughout the years is you can't praise God and complain at the same time. Amen. Try it. Try complaining and praising God at the same time. Can't be done. And the more we praise God, the less things matter on the external. And as you're going through something, I've said this many times, there's a lot of things maybe I couldn't pray through, but there hasn't been things I can't praise through. Because praise is, the, is when our spirit opens up to God. And the spirit of God comes, comes in more fully into us. It's, a, it's hard to explain, but once you do it, you know what it is. And so we need to praise God more and complain less. 
Actually, if we praise as much as we complain, we'd really be strong Christians. <laughs> John 24, or 25 and 26. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, <clears throat> the one speaking to you, I am he. I am. We hear that throughout the Bible. When he said that in a group of Pharisees, they was going to stone him for it. Because thy, that meant I am, meant I'm God. I am the I am from the beginning of time. I am the I am that spoke through the burning bush. And this is the first time God revealed, Jesus revealed who he was. And it was to a woman, an outcast of society. Now that, you know, think about that for a while. He didn't go to the temple and say it. Of course, he said it in the area and almost got stoned for it. He said it to a woman who was outcast. Jesus doesn't care who we are, where we came from, how much we sinned. He loves and died for everyone who lives. And even those that haven't been born yet, he loves and died for. As believers, we should focus on what God has done for us, not which church we attend. But the church we attend is important. And he didn't call us to church hop. He called us to stay in one place so where we can serve and be a blessing to the congregation. Where we can become a family, a body of believers. That's his will. God has forgiven us, changed us, and he sustains us. <clears throat> John 4, 23 and 24. Oh, sorry, clicked the wrong page. I'm thankful that God is God and he's able to change anything that's going on in our lives. No matter the storm, had the storm, Jesus can change the circumstances or he can change us to help us survive it. Now, psychologists make a living understanding behavior. They have to know, get to know someone to know why they do the things they do so that they can help them. Now, that happens a lot, you know, with marriage counseling. I've done a lot of marriage counseling. You know, I meet, usually meet with people separately to try to get their take, each one's take on it, and, and deal with them and try to, try to work with them individually, and then I put them together and start dealing with the problems together. And if I tell the people, if you do everything I tell you to do, I can help you. If you don't, I can't. And everyone that has listened to what I've said and done it, their marriage has been saved. Now, this has nothing to do with me. It has to do with God. Because I'll tell you, I've walked into a firestorm one time. Oh, man, it was so bad. Randy went in there, and his eyes was this big. Because they were yelling and screaming at each other and throwing things, and they were dropping F-bombs and all kinds of stuff. And I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. And he's, Randy said he was wondering how in the world I was going to get this situation under control. You know, and I'm, I just said, God, help me, because I can't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I wanted to take them on my knee and spank them, acting like children. But eventually, we got it worked out, and they got calmed down, and we started over. <clears throat> See, because the problem is with that was I met with them every week. And then after a while, it was every two weeks. And then it was once a month. But see, they started feeling so good about the way things were going, they quit coming. 
And then everything that they had accomplished started creeping back in. And that's the same thing with worshiping God. You know, we come to church every week, you know, we feel really good, we're on fire for God, and we do really, really good, and, and we think, oh, well, it won't matter if I miss a week, it'll be okay. So we miss a couple of weeks, and then we go back. Oh, oh, it's all right, once a month's okay. And we start falling back into their, their old habits. That's why it's so important to be faithful to God's word and God's body of believers that you're called to. The more we worship God, the closer we are to him, and the more we understand him. You know, people say, well, I don't understand what God's doing. Well, get to know him better, and we will understand him better. I don't understand a lot of things God does and why he allows certain things to happen to some people and not others. You know, they say, God won't give you anything anymore that you can stand. But I'll tell you, I say, God, what is the limit here? You know, where am I at on this gauge of being able to endure this stuff? You know, I've about had it. Come on, God. And it's frustrating. And you get angry. Do I get angry? Yeah, I get angry. I tell God all about it. Because I think he's, he, he's responsible. <laughs> he's not responsible for the things that happen because my body deteriorates because of the life that I've lived and the jobs that I've had and it just can't last forever. Our bodies are frail. And you hurt them, continually hurt them over and over again. Started in a car accident. When a teenager run a stop sign at 70 miles an hour and hit me broadside, that started all my physical problems, and it went downhill from there. And you wake up one day, and you know you're old. When your body makes more noise than, than your cereal. <laughs> you know? And you sit there and try to get out, get up, move around. You've been sitting for a while, and... And things don't work, or, or, you, or you forget that you have to take it slow and you get up and think you're standing on your legs moved, only they didn't, you land on your face. You ever done that? Anybody ever done that? Yeah, us old people, yeah. It's amazing we don't have flat nose. <laughs> I'll <help> him. <clears throat> Exodus 15.2. God is my strength. God is my song. <clears throat> And yes, God is my salvation. This is the kind of God I have, and I'm telling it to the world. Amen. Amen. He doesn't say that God might be my strength. He doesn't say that God may be my song. He doesn't say that God could be my salvation. He said my God is my strength, is my song. God is my salvation. And that's in the present tense. That's the same today. I have a song in my heart because God put it there. Music is so important. We need to fill our hearts with, with Christian music, good songs that have a message. And then, then our spirit will sing them. And we'll be doing it even though we're doing things we don't like. <clears throat> Moses expressed his confidence in God because he already saw what he had done. He freed his people from slavery. And he's able to do the same things for us today to meet our needs, just as he did then. George Muller founded several orphanages which cared for as many as 2,000 children in England in the 1900s. One night, Muller was told the supply of food was gone at one of the orphanages. The next morning, he joined the children for breakfast. There was a bowl, a plate, a glass in front of each of the several hundred students, but all were empty. 
Mr. Muller asked the children to bow their heads as he prayed. Father, we thank thee for what thou art going, art going to do. Give us to eat. After he ended the prayer, there was a knock on the door. A baker was standing there. He said, I couldn't sleep last night. I felt you didn't have any bread. And the Lord wanted me to bring you some. So I got up at 2 a.m. this morning and baked some fresh bread for you. George Muller not only thanked the baker, but also a prayer, said a prayer of thanksgiving. With a few minutes, there was a second knock at the door. There was a milkman standing at the door. He explained that his milk cart had broken down in front of the home. The milk had to, had to be unloaded, and he wanted to give it to the home for the children. Could you take it, he asked. George Muller knew that if he would turn over to the Lord the problem of hungry orphans, the Lord would provide. Now, I know that sometimes we sit in, in front of a table with an empty bowl, an empty glass, and nothing in it. Maybe it's not food, maybe it's something else. And we wonder, how are you going to do it, God? But if we have our faith in him, he will fill the bowl. He will fill the glass. He will meet the need no matter what it is. Because he is God. He is our strength. He's our salvation. He's a song in our heart. And like I said, I've never seen a believer go hungry. God takes care of us. If, we're, if we do without, it's because we forget to ask God for stuff. If you're in a situation in your life and you just don't know what to do with it, you need to pray and ask God to take care of it. And then let him have it. Too many times we are yo-yo Christians with our prayer requests. We put them at the altar and then we leave and we have the all on a string like a yo-yo and we just pull them back. And we carry them with us instead of leaving them at the altar. Because God will take care of it. The problem is we have to let him. <clears throat> John 4, 23 and 24. But the time is coming indeed. It's now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Each one of us has a reason to worship God in spirit and in truth. Our spirit wants to worship God. We just have to let him. We just have to let that spirit of God that's inbred in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, and the Holy Spirit will worship God through us if we just let him. Let the spirit out. Let him worship God through you. And I guarantee you, after you've done that, then every problem that you're facing don't seem as bad. And it won't bother you as much. And God will meet the need. I want to be able to worship God in spirit and in truth. And as believers, that's the only way we can do it. And I'm glad that it isn't an external thing that we do, that it's an internal thing. Worship. I want to worship God in spirit and in truth. Amen? Let's pray. Our precious Holy Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity again, Lord, to worship you and to praise you, Lord, and to hear your word. Lord, I know that we live in a society that hates you. That's the reality of it. But most of the people in America love you. We just got to be able to pray, pray to you and trust you, Lord, and pray for our leaders, Lord, and turn this nation around. Because it's a mess. I mean, it's better than it was, but it's still a mess. 
And we've got a lot of work to do. But, Lord, you're able to turn it around. All you got to do, Lord, is deal with the leadership. Help them to make better decisions. Lord, put burden in our heart, Lord, to pray more and to praise you more. Lord, because I know that that's your goal for our life. Because the more we pray, the more we get to know you. And the more that we can sense your love for us flowing through us. And allow your spirit to flow through us, Lord, so we can reach a lost and dying world. Because, Lord, we are the world's last hope as believers. We are the last hope in this community, in Fredonia, and in Kanab, and in the state of Utah, Lord, and throughout the world, throughout the United States. And I know, Lord, you're able to provide a revival because that's what we need. We need a revival like they've had in the 1900s, a revival, Lord, so great that it started the Assemblies of God. Lord, a revival that started missionary work all over the world, that kind of revival. That's what we need, Lord. We need this revival, Lord, from you. Lord, and help us, each one of us, to be true vessels, to be able to share your word and to pray. Because I know, Lord, that if you're, those that are called upon your name will pray. You'll heal our land, Lord. And our land is dying. Lord, so we ask for your healing in our land and in our families, in our homes, Lord, and especially in our own lives, Lord, because unless we are right with you, we can't do anything. Because if we're not right, the vessel can't serve. We can't serve, Lord, with a dirty vessel. Lord, so I pray, Lord, that you'd cleanse us this morning. Lord, as we get ready for communion, I ask, Lord, that you'd help each one of us to examine our hearts. Lord, and if there's anything in our heart that's displeasing to you, I ask, Lord, that you'd convict us, Lord, so that we may confess it to you. Lord, before we take communion. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. I know that most of us are believers, but in the... Oh, yuck, we got a big bug here. We got somebody coming to the altar to get saved. Amen. He's going to die.